Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 20th. You have within yourself the power to overcome all adversity. Even were you to be enslaved or thrown into a dungeon without hope of release, no one can possess or incarcerate your mind. If you cannot conquer a a difficulty outwardly, rise above it inwardly. Seek freedom in your heart. No one can ever deny you that freedom. Were utter failure to crash upon you like a great wave, know that God's law is ever benign and just. Place yourself in His hands, and everything must turn out eventually for the best. Well, once again, Swami has more faith in us than we may have in ourselves, doesn't He? You know, Swamiji writes about being enslaved or imprisoned. I don't know if it's because I have a Jewish heritage. And I was born in 1947, so right after the entire incredible Nazi experience that the Jewish people had to go through. I have no relatives in Europe. My my grandparents on both sides came out of Europe long before any of this started. One is small children and one is as older children, but even as children. So in no way did it actually touch me. My father was in the army, but he was never sent overseas. Nonetheless... Um, I always have in my mind the very real possibility that sooner or later I'm going to end up in prison or in a concentration camp or something like that. I was very amused by a friend of mine who was, I mean, this is just, this is how like things form within us that we just accept as reality without even knowing it. A friend of mine was actually talking to me about the family discussion that was going on as to who was actually going to inherit or end up possessing great-grandmother's punch bowl. And I'm not very much attached to material things as a rule, and whether or not I had great-grandmother's punch bowl would not be real important to me. So that was one half of the discussion, which I could put aside easily. But the other half that it took me a little while to find was, your family still has great-grandmother's punch bowl? Because I realized in my mindset, you know, there's pogroms in Russia where everybody's killed and everything's taken away. You know, there's just, the Jews are in Spain and then they're kicked out of Spain and they have to leave with the clothes on their back. And then, of course, most recently, there's the Holocaust where you lose everything. Just the very idea that generations can um, continue and something like a punch bowl will still be in your possession. I realize there's an expression in the USA, I don't know if it goes outside of it, WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, which is sort of that mainstream group. And I realize, my gosh, that's what my friend belongs to. Of course, none of us belong to any of this anymore because we're all part of Ananda. But the main point had nothing to do with her life experience, my life experience. It was just how we think about things. And I, I think... I don't think it's just my Jewish heritage. I believe I have been a political um, 
activist and a revolutionary for a lot of lifetimes. And so it's always in me. I'm always thinking like that. When we, in Palo Alto, um, purchased our church in 1994, it's on a very busy street with hundreds of cars going by. And we wanted to take advantage of all that free advertising, that, that prominent location. So for some foolish reason, I was sent down to the city of Palo Alto to talk to someone about what kind of signage we could put up. And I was hosted by a woman who was not of advanced years. Um, She was a civil servant. She had some kind of a job. And we were going to have a discussion about what kind of a sign we could put up. And her position was, eh, you don't really need a sign. My position was, at that time, a lot of money. We paid a huge amount of money for this church. We have to put up with all the noise of the street. We want the advantage, you know, that will give us to communicate to the world that we were there. Nah, she didn't much care. And that was sort of what happened. And I realized that I was not the right one to be representing us in that circumstance. And I managed to extricate myself before I actually exploded into white hot rage. I really, and I, I, re- I can hardly remember another time when I felt like that. When I was so angry, it was just like coming up. I could, I, I, my heart went out to people who have that kind of temper. This rage was just coming up in me. And I mean, I wanted to firebomb the office. Like a serious in my mind was where I could get a firebomb for this office. Fortunately, I just drove home and reminded my friends that I was not the person to send to any public official ever, which of course, I've never done it again. Okay, so this is my mindset, being imprisoned, being enslaved, having all your freedom taken, having everything taken away from you. What would I do? And so I find it interesting, of course, Swami's talking about it. And I've read lots of books about this. I don't anymore, because I think I've actually progressed because (laughs) I was visiting two of my friends. I do have no idea what the context was. But I said something like, You know, of course, I think every day about being in prison and being tortured. We, I said, of course, we think every day about this. They said, you know, speak for yourself. And both of them told me it had never crossed their mind that they would be imprisoned and tortured. I thought, really? Now, in the context of what we're reading, which is what Swami is saying right here, I'm actually very grateful for this inclination of mine which I actually believe is a survival mechanism from past lives, because I think it's very helpful to take something and push it to its absolute limit and see if you can still stand there with at least a modicum of hope and a modicum of comfort or just some shred of an idea of how I would deal with that. So Swami is saying here, you have within yourself the power to overcome all adversity. Well, that just sounds like, that's a, that sounds like a nice idea. So then he actually makes it concrete. You're imprisoned, you're enslaved. He even goes farther. You're imprisoned without hope of release. This is the rest of your life. And then he says, no one can enslave your mind. So even if it's not a fear that you carry or an expectation that you have, it's still, it's a practice worth doing. Because anything that we're afraid of rules us. And 
you know, I, I'm not by any means without fear at the prospect of this, but I'm far less afraid than I used to be because repeatedly, time after time, I've taken myself through this, either through books that I'm reading, what would I do if I were in that position, or news stories or movies, what would I do? And I remind myself over and over again, no one can enslave my consciousness. And I've practiced now through the art of meditation and through the art of discipline and through finding a way to serve. There's countless ways in which I've done it, in which I practice dealing with adversity by going all the way to the end point. You see, there's lots of ways to deal with adversity. One is, essentially, you solve the problem on the level in which it happened. I feel a little nervous about this. I'll turn on a movie. I'll distract myself. You know, I have this slight fear. I tell myself, well, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but what if it does? How can I actually say, I'm safe because it's not going to happen? But then what happens when it does happen? It doesn't even have to be imposed on you from the outside. What if you become paralyzed? You know, what if just... And I'm not trying to be negative. I don't... I, I know that it's not good to think fearful thoughts, but it's also not good to carry fears that causes uncomfortable stress and we don't even know why they're there. You know, there's incredible stories, Nelson Mandela being, being one of them, of people who, who were put into extremely difficult circumstances, but because they had this inner power and because they trained themselves either before or in the moment, they had trained themselves to live primarily in the inner reality and let the outer reality be only incidental to it. It's very interesting. There's at least, there's actually, I think it's just one person at Ananda. Uh, Well, this one person came to Ananda because he was a, um, back in the very early days, it was the time of the Vietnam War, and he was a very avid protester, burning his draft card and being in the middle of those protests, and he expected to go to jail. So he came to Ananda to learn to meditate so that he would have something to do when he went to jail. What happened to him is he became so enamored of meditation that he realized that what he was trying to achieve through all that um, protest, political protest, he was actually really trying to change his consciousness. So he, he basically came and never left. And so he just stayed, and the whole question of why he came was lost. I think another man also um, was either put in prison or expected to go to prison. His was less noble. I think it was drug-related in his case. But he also took up meditation because he knew he was going to be imprisoned and he needed an inner life. The details of that story are not clear to me. I don't think he was in prison for very long. But in the process, he learned to meditate. And once he learned to meditate, he realized that drugs wasn't really the solution, and the meditation became its own reality. So oftentimes you see very difficult circumstances are given to us because they motivate us to become stronger. So every time I meditate or every time I have a mood or every time I have a discomfort, I think to myself, what would I do if? I have a friend who's been in prison for more than 30 years, for a crime that he did not commit. And I'm not just saying that because I know they joke that no one in prison is guilty, but he's not guilty. There have been many opportunities through his legal process for me to really study the case. He's still in prison because it's his karma still to be in prison, not because it's just, 
but because karmically there's some reason why he needs it. But because I know him well and I know the conditions under which he lives, and the fact the reason I met him was that he was in prison, in jail locally, knowing that he was going to be in jail for a long time, he contacted Ananda because he'd read Autobiography of a Yogi and he wanted to learn to meditate. And eventually he learned to meditate and was given Kriya, managed to initiate him in the waiting room of the, in the visitor's room of the maximum security prison. He meditates absolutely regularly and faithful morning and night. Under horrific conditions, sharing a cell, multiple televisions going on, just everything, absolutely, every, every morning, every night. And so he's weathered this extremely tough karma really well. But because I know how he lives, every time I have a small issue, I think, what if I were in prison? How would I handle it then? And it's not that I always refrain from the freedom that's available to me, It's not that I deliberately take on the tapasya of being in prison when I'm not, but I often will at least try and often do succeed in just saying, what if I can't fix it? And I just have to go inside to to accept. And it's also just a training, just to, to not think that every time I want something, I can just have it. You know, it's just so obvious. When you're in prison, you can't open the window doesn't matter how hot it is. You can't open the window. Just like that. What if you just can't open the window? Are, you, are we, am I, absolutely dependent on being able to open that window? Or do I have an inner reality that I can live with? There's a marvelous book called Left to Tell by Immaculate Ilibagiza. She was caught in the genocide in Rwanda. All her family was killed except one brother who happened to be out of the country. Her father sent her to a friend that they knew would hide her. She spent three or four months in a small bathroom with, I believe, seven other women. And she spent the whole time praying. But she had spent much of her life before she was put into that bathroom praying. So that when it really came time and she needed to have that depth of inner life, she had already practiced when it was easier. Not meant to frighten us, but only to show us our own potential. That's what Swami's showing us. Difficulties in life are sent to us not to break us, but to awaken us to our own infinite potential to master any circumstance and to feel God's presence no matter what. So, you have within yourself the power to overcome all adversity. Even were you to be enslaved or thrown into a dungeon without hope of release, no one can possess or incarcerate your mind. If you cannot conquer a difficulty outwardly, rise above it inwardly. Seek freedom in your heart. No one can ever deny you that freedom. Were utter failure to crash upon you like a giant wave, know that God's law is ever benign and just. Place yourself in His hands and everything must turn out eventually for the best. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.